Thank you, Pastor Mike. this morning how good is this car park my gosh wish I had the skateboard in the back there so after service tonight water baptism skateboarding I did not say that all right I, it's great to be here with you I, I want to just honor the leadership over this house Pastor Sam and Carolina Gunsa and all the great team look at this, this building is full it's this is why the church exists, hey, yeah, is to see ones coming in loving the kingdom of God and uh, great honor to be here with you. Uh, thank you so much to the worship team. doesn't matter wh- which location I go to, whether it's locations in Brisbane or Auckland or in Colorado, USA, the same spirit, the yeah. same heart, the yeah. same love for yeah. God is in the place and so I want to honor yeah. you, I want to honor this great, I'm in awe of you guys and uh, to see what has been accomplished in less than two years. Uh, your love, your faithfulness, your commitment to the cause, commitment, love for the people here. And church, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for inviting other people in the house. God, this is how church grows. And um, sure, we might have 40,000 cars that uh, pass this building on a daily basis. That's pretty good advertising there. But the greatest thing is when you and I reflect the love of God and uh, share our God story with somebody else. Because we've all got a great story in God, each and every one of us. Have a story, have a testimony, have a breakthrough moment or moments or many, many moments in God where He's actually just transformed our lives. This morning, great honor to be able to share uh, the good uh, Word of God with you. Uh, This month where we're looking at offenses, the theme here, uh, the title of the messages is Building Bridges. Great, great title right there. As you drive across onto this peninsula, I was thinking this morning, build a bridge. How many times do you and I actually have the opportunity to be offended is that life is an offenseful place. <laughs> if you live long enough, you are going to offend somebody. Yes, you will. And also, someone has the potential to offend you. When you look at the life of Jesus, three years, it says that he was in like ministry, working the ministry. He talked on so many different topics and subjects. He did signs and wonders and miracles. He spoke about loving your enemies, about judging not. He talked about being fruitful taught us how to pray. He taught, about, uh, taught us about the kingdom of God. He touches on so many different subjects for you and I to be generous, for you and I to be the light of the world, you know, to go and share uh, our faith with people, to fulfill the Great Commission. But when we get to Luke chapter 17 and Matthew chapter 18, he busts out this really good news for all of us. He says it is impossible that no offense will come. It's impossible that you'll live this life and you will never, ever be offended or have the opportunity for someone else to offend you. He leaves us with this great news. As, we, as he ends uh, his journey, he says life is going to be full of offense. And so the title of my message this morning is Get Off the Fence. Took me weeks to come up with that. You see the play? You see that? That's creativity at its highest level. But what I have found when you and I actually sit on the fence, when I sit on the fence, all I ever get is splinters. And splinters, there's a couple of things about splinters. Splinters irritate. You know just that little piece of wood that gets in your finger there? It irritates. 
And if you, if you allow that irritation to continue, not only does it irritate, it then comes on to inf infect us. The same thing with offence. Offence irritates us, hey? You just want to smack that person, that guy in the face. You want to come back with the best comeback lines. You're going to do all of that. It irritates us. Unless you and I actually deal with the irritation, it can come and infect our whole lives. As I look back on my journey with God, since 1979, 15 years of age, you can do the math. As, well, how old he is? There's a formula right there. Is that I have seen family members. I have seen closest of friends actually not just exit church, but they've exited relationship with God because they've got offended. I've seen so many people actually get stuck in their walk with God because offense has got in and irritated, not just irritated, has infected lives, and they've actually got stuck in their journey with God. Whenever you and I get stuck in our journey with God, you're not actually stuck, you're going backwards. Because the kingdom of God is always moving forward. It is always advancing. So when offense comes into our heart and we get stuck, and so this morning, would you get off the fence? Yeah. When you still and I sit on the fence, we're sitting in that neutral zone. Which way am I going to go? Yeah. And Christianity is not to be lived in the neutral zone. Christianity is to spent moving forward, advancing the kingdom of God. And so this morning... I don't know your story, and you also don't know my story, and I want to share a few thoughts today out of an incredible time of pain in my own, my own family's life, is that, and a lot of the keys I'm going to share today are from this, and this is, I'm not disclosing this, so it feels sorry for me, it's not about that, it's showing that when we stand here on these pulpits, is that we've also had things happen in our lives, and, and so a number of keys I'm going to share with today are purely out of a situation and a time in my life about nine years ago, where a very good friend and close friend of ours took just over $250,000 from us, literally stole it from us as a family. And so I had the opportunity there. I could have, man, I could have sat on the fence. I could allow this to irritate me. And did it irritate me? Yes, it irritated me. Did it infect me? I refused to let it infect me. And so I want to share a few thoughts and keys with you this morning to help you no matter where you are right now situated in life, is that you and I can overcome the offenses of the past. And I guarantee you that you, there is more offense coming towards you. And we'll look at shortly. As I look at my own life, I've written down some things here of how I've actually offended people around about me. Your story may look like my, my story. Is offense comes through the carelessness of our words. It can care, come through malicious words. It can occur as a result of misunderstanding. Always the other person's misunderstanding, never my misunderstanding, always their misunderstanding. It, it comes by means of a third party sticking their nose into somebody else's business. It, it comes from just hearing one side of the story. Who knows that can get us into great trouble? Because yeah. I've found in life there's always three sides to every story. There's that person's side, there's Pastor Sam's side, and then there's God's side, the actual truth <laughs> that's in there. And so when you and I just hear one side of the story, it's so easy to take position up. I'm all for that. No, no. Hear all sides of the story before you make an act, a judgment. It can occur as a result of something you and I say in jest. You and I may think it's funny, but it actually tears the heart out of the person that's actually hearing it. 
Does this ring a bell with anyone else or this is just my life? Thank you. It can occur when you're obeying God. And God actually asks you to speak into someone's life. I've had people speak into my life and I'm like, you're wrong. You, you are wrong. You, you, you are hearing from the very pit of hell right now. That's not me. How many times do we try to defend our own position rather than listen to the truth? Yeah. Yeah. I'd much, I stand my position trying to be right rather than actually hearing the truth. And here's some of my thing, my times I've actually absolutely offended someone. Jesus says these words in Luke 17, verse 1, that he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. That's the best news this morning you've heard, eh? Yeah. It's impossible as you journey through life that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. Yeah. They're powerful words right there. Yeah. He says offenses are going to come. But do not be one that would make someone fall into a place of offense. This is the word offense comes from the, from the word scandalon, translated in our language today of scandal. And he's saying, woe to those who actually cause someone to stumble, to trip up in their walk and their journey with God, because this is what your, you would prefer take place or your punishment. He says it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Well, what a punishment right there for someone who would knowingly trip up someone else in their journey or in their relationships that are so valuable to them. And Jesus says these words, take heed to yourselves. Would you guard your heart? Would you take heed to yourself? Would you guard your heart, if your brother sins against him, rebuke him. Don't we all love that? Let it cheer up. Woohoo! Yeah. You upset me today, I can rebuke you. That's awesome. I mark up today, you have every right to rebuke me. Just not when I'm preaching, just a little bit afterwards. <laughs> if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. We love that bit. But then it goes on, if he repents, forgive him. Ah! Are you serious? You know what he just did to me? You know those words he just spoke to me? You know those actions? And if he, forgive, if, if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent. Seven, are you serious? Seven, seven times in a day. Husbands, how many times do we do things seven times in a day? Eh? <laughs> Only seven? If he does it seven times in a day, and I go to Nadine, my wife, and say, I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? I repent. The word of God says there, she's got to forgive me. I love that bit. I love that. Until I really found the meaning of what it is to repent. Is repent, repentance is a change of thinking. It's not necessarily this, we're going to turn in 180 degrees, we're going to go back and walk this other way. No, it's a change in thinking that changes yeah. my direction, yeah. changes yeah. my actions, changes yeah. my behavior, changes my words. Yeah. And who knows? And you can repent after seven times, it's going to get a lot, to get a lot worse later on at the end of this passage, this, this passage. 
But there's got to be true repentance in a heart. And whenever there's repentance, is Jesus simply saying to us, in order to build a bridge, where there's repentance, allow forgiveness to flow. The greatest thing that you and I can ever do when you and I are offended or offend someone else is ask for forgiveness. It is a powerful, freeing thing. Is that when you and I walk in unforgiveness, it actually imprisons us and imprisons the other person. But when you and I come to that place of, I am so sorry, I repent, I want to change my thinking in order to change my actions and my behavior, forgiveness flows. And then it goes on, and the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. (laughs) Of all the things they could have asked Jesus to increase, at the end of this passage, Jesus is saying, if someone does the same thing seven times against you and asks for forgiveness, you shall forgive them. And they're looking at them, they're saying, we can't do that. How are we supposed to do that if that person has offended me that many times in one day? Jesus, if you want us to have this heart of forgiveness, I need something from you. Would you please increase my faith? Because it's impossible for you and I to do. We want revenge. The dean always wants revenge. We want revenge. But God's saying it's not about revenge. It's about repentance and also forgiveness. Don't you love when people come to you with those three words, three powerful words? No offense, but. No offense, but. If you come up to the end of this message, no offense, but, you'll see some psychological and physiological changes take place in my own life. It's because when those words are said to us, no offense, but, is that I have this, is that automatically those internal walls start to go up. It's like, what? I'm not gonna, I don't want to hear this. Not as the internal wall comes up, my heart starts to beat faster, my blood pressure rises, and I go really red in the face. And then down the neck, it's like, no offense, but, and all of these physiological changes take place in our life. But who knows that offense is not normally so overt as that? No offense, but. I wish all offense came that way. It was obvious. I just want to make something clear. They're not the three greatest words you could ever use, all right? If you want to get your message across, is change those three words to something else. No offense, but. Jesus says these words. As long as you live this life, is you are going to be offended. And then James puts it in James chapter 3, this next slide. He says, for we all offend in many things. Are you serious? I try to do the right. I try to do all the things correctly. I try to watch my language and my actions and my behavior. But only James can say it like James said. But we all offend in many things. If any man offends not in word, the same is a perfect man. And able also to govern the whole body without restraint. And so not only will offenses come, is that you and I, we are all guilty of being offenders, of carrying offense. And as long as we live, is that we still carry offenses affecting us and our lives offending and affecting somebody else. So often we think of offense like this, is that someone has offended me, therefore they've got the problem. They've offended me, they've got the problem. They said that about me, they accused me of that, they did this, they did this, they did this. 
And sure, they may have a problem, but you know what I found about offence? Is that I can walk into a situation really, really happy. I can walk into a, into a conversation with everything great, this is the best day of my life, and at the end of that conversation, if that person hasn't offended me in that time, I walk away sad, discouraged, dejected. I once had peace, now I've got no peace. And so the offender walks away thinking, I don't know, maybe he hasn't done anything wrong at all in his own heart. But offence has now got me. But so often when we look at offence, it's all the other person's issue. No, 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 it's my issue now. Because I entered happy, I entered full of joy, I entered full of peace, and I'm now walking away completely opposite. And so it's not necessarily the offender's problem. He, has a, he puts his head on a pillow at night and sleeps really well. I put my head on the pillow at night and that whole conversation is going through and rehearsing. Hey, this morning, it's not necessarily today about the offender. It's about how it's impacted your life and my life. How can we actually overcome and triumph and be deliverers and live a courageous life when we will be offended in many areas of our life. David puts it like this in Psalm 55. He identifies who are the ones that actually bring offense to us. And he says these words, for it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. He's saying, you know what? As I look through life, it's not my enemies that reproach me. It's not my enemies that cause me heartache. I could bear that if it was an enemy. Nor is the one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. It's not, it's, not the, it's not the person that reproaches me. It's not even the person that hates me. I could hide from that person. If I know someone hates me and I see them in the supermarket, we're going to go down the next aisle. It's easy to move away from that person. But David said, it's, it's not these ones that offend me. He says, but it was you. It was a man of my equal, my companion, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and we walked to the house of God in the throng. David's identifying here saying, it's not those ones that was my, it's not my enemy. It's not the ones that hate me. It's the one that walks alongside me. It's my spouse. It's my kids. It's my work colleagues. It's my next door neighbor. That's who I offend the most. And that's who I get offended by. This morning, if a stranger does something to you, driving along and you make an error when you're driving and certain digits of hands go up out through the window, <laughs> your, your response could be to do exactly the same. That's normally my response. And <laughs> Forgive me if I've ever done that to you in the church car park. <laughs> but doesn't the bitumen look fantastic? It's like... And you get over that really quickly. Within 30 seconds, you're all good. You felt good. Birds going up, all of those things. <laughs> Feeling good. A few things come out of your mouth that normally probably wouldn't come out of your mouth. But gosh, it feels awesome. And you move on. Hit the pedal at night. It's like, you're not thinking about it. I can't believe that person gave me that thing. But my response was awesome. You don't do that. But when your spouse, when you have an argument... When something comes between you and your kids is that I find at those times 
It's unsettling, it's unnerving, it's no longer rest that's taking place in our lives. And David's saying, hey, it's the, the ones that you and I love the most. And when offense comes into that relationship, is the greatest heartbreak happens because of a situation where there's love. Where, where there's the greater the expectation on a life, someone you love, is greater the fall. Historians would say this, is the bloodiest wars in history have been civil wars. Internal fighting within a nation. The bloodiest wars in our nation of Australia right now are within families, within homes. Over the, not this week, but last week, three women in our state murdered through domestic violence. What, why? Someone has got offended. And that offense has always, will always lead to a place of death. Tragic situation. I was at touch football. Not last Friday, the Friday night before, was the 24-year-old lady that was murdered by her husband. And she played touch football at these fields, and at 7.20 on that Friday night, there probably would have been a 1,000 players and spectators there, and they formed this big ring on the main circle, main oval there. And for a moment, one minute gave silence to her life that was lost so tragically. And as I was thinking about this message, it impacted me so much. Is a life got offended, and there will always be an effect of offense. It may not actually lead to the murdering of somebody, but so often it does. That's a pattern. That's a progression of when you and I are offended. But how often can we offend people and actually imprison them and imprison ourselves in that journey? It's really easy today if someone I don't know offends me, I can move on really quickly. I have a face that gets people offended. I remember traveling on a train once. You're all laughing at that. Yeah, that's all right. I was traveling on a train once, Morningside Station, south side of Brisbane. I remember it so well. Is that I was commuting into work and, uh, and I lifted up my head and there was this young man walking along the platform there and I sort of gave him a nod, a bit of a smile. And I don't know, he just didn't like my face at all. Is that he was, he was eating a meat pie, but he decided that it would be much better to take that pie and to throw it at me at the window. I was like, I was really disturbed by that. It's like, but if you didn't want to finish it, you could have came inside and given it to me. Uh, but there's even been times when my face has been covered and people have still been offended me. I remember one time riding a moped through the streets of Gold Coast, doing everything legally as moped drivers do on the Gold Coast. <laughs> and driving along there, helmet on, all of this, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's like my head just, something hit my head. And I'm like, bang, moped going all over the place. After a couple of moments, I identified that someone driving along took off their thong off their foot, important clarification there, and threw it at my head. Didn't matter whether it was covered, uncovered, this face offends people. I remember a time in church I was preaching this great message on the Holy Spirit, and I read, opened up the translation, it must have been my really biblical theolog theological days of it, I opened up the King James Version, the these and the thous, and in an acts there, the Holy Spirit's interpreted the Holy Ghost. And so I was, man, I was on this, out of this King James Version. I was preaching about the Holy Ghost. At the end of the message, this lady comes up to me saying, you know what, you, you are going to hell. Maybe. For what reason this time? 
I'd never met her before in my life. And said, you, you just committed the unpardonable sin. You, you have referred to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. Like, they said it. They, they wrote it. Like, go back to them a couple of hundred years ago. I, I don't, I'm trying to explain the best way I possibly can. It's like it, it's interchangeable. It's just down to a matter of interpretation. You know what? And she said this. I'm never coming back to this church again. Like, wow, what? Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. I hope I get to heaven. You know what? I hope that lady also comes to a place where she's able to overcome whatever took place in that day. You and I, if someone offends us that we don't know, we can quickly get over that. But when someone we do know and love and trust and they're doing life beside us, David's saying here, it's so much difficult in the journey. And so this morning, I just want to share a couple of quick thoughts with you. The first one is this, is our response to offense determines our future. How you and I actually respond to offense will determine our future. I've got a few passages of scripture here. Genesis 4, and when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd and Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs of his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, and he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. You must subdue it. And be its master. Verse 8, one day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. The very first offense that is really picked up in the word of God. I'm not going to go into why God accepted one offering and rejected the other offering. But what I do love about the nature and the character of God, of the offering he did not accept he said to Cain, he said, Cain, if you just do what is right, everything's going to work out. Is it God, God may have rejected his offering, but God never, ever rejected him. He's always a God of the second chance. He said, in future, just learn by this and continue to do what is right, and all is going to be okay. But we see a progression that takes place in this life, and this is progression of offense in all of our hearts. Is it says here, that he becomes angry inside of his heart. Is that offense creates anger inside of us, and then out of anger it says that it grows into hatred, and whenever you guy get into a place of hatred, it actually leads to murder. That's the biblical progression. Now this morning, you may have progressed way beyond murdering, like physically murder, I hope you have. But you see the pattern here, is that anger gets inside of our heart, Hatred gets inside of our heart, and then whatever the other outcome is beyond hatred takes place. We see it happening day in, day out in families. As soon as the heart goes hard, as soon as anger rises up, as soon as hatred develops, is that there is another step inside of this journey that's going to take place. Then we go on to another passage of Scripture. How you and I actually respond to offense determines our future is that one brother gets killed, the other brother becomes 
a murderer. 1 Samuel 18. And so David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine that the woman had come out all out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul. What a sight that would have been. With tambourines, with joy and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands. Here is the king leading in his army from this incredible victory. All the ladies of all the cities of Israel now come out with their musical instruments, they are singing. And the first line of this song for Saul is the most impacting line you could ever hear. Is it Saul, King Saul, he has slayed his thousands. You can imagine the king right there. He, he was, this was the best time of his life. He was, full of, he, he was full of a sense of worth. He had made the right a decision in appointing David as the leader of his army. Is that they had this great victory. The first line of the song is outstanding. The second line of the song changes everything. And the women sang, and David is ten thousands. I, I thought it was all about me. As soon as you and I put ourselves in a position of comparison, is offense can creep in. Is that Saul was the king. He was number one. He had made the great disappointment of David to be the, the head of the army. And Saul should have been in that position of, my gosh, I am the king of this nation. But as soon as the lady sang and gave recognition that David has killed more than the king, when a comparison jumps into our lives, is it changes everything. It's right that very moment, a fence comes in, it says, then Saul was very angry. See the progression, same progression. He was very angry, and the saying displeased him, and he said, they've ascribed to David 10,000, to me they've only ascribed thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? And so Saul eyed David from that day forward, and Saul cast the spear for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. This morning, as I read this just a few weeks ago, who have you and I tried to pin to the wall? Maybe through comparison, maybe through other means of offense, but in our heart, in Saul's heart, anger rises up to a place of hatred, to a place where, I'm going to pin this guy to the wall. I'm going to pin his life to the wall. I'm going to imprison him. He's not going to have any room to move in his life. I'm going to do this. How you and I actually respond to offense determines everything. Second Kings 5. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. Isn't that amazing, hey? Just maybe... Three, four thousand years ago, as a God had given this man, a godly man, victory over Syria, and we see Syria today. There's an absence of God, absence of good leadership. And he was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot and he stood at this door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, 
these internal words. I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and he will stand and he'll call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand all over the place and heal the leprosy. As here, Naaman decides in his own heart and mind and will as to how he's going to actually receive his healing from God. He says, I have this picture of how this is going to go. I've come with a letter of introduction. I'm this great military man, but I'm also a leper. I'm going to the man of God's house, Elisha, and Elisha's going to come out in a certain way and he's going to pray for me. He's going to come out of his house. He's going to start praying. He's going to uh, do the Pentecostal prayer and wave his hands all over the place. He's going to jump up and down. He's going to pray and I'm going to get my healing. But that's not how it went down at all. Is the man of God didn't even come out of the house. <laughs> he just sends his servant out. Say, go wash in the Jordan River and you'll be made clean. Dip seven times and you'll be made clean. That's not how I wanted God to move. And there's many times in our life where we can actually get offended by God because God doesn't move how we believe God should move. And I said at the outset, I had family members and I have friends who have stepped away from even relationship with God because of this offense is that God didn't do what God was supposed to do or God didn't do how I thought he was going to do it. And the passage goes on. Are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't you even get a cleaner river? The Jordan's like the Brisbane River. So it's like the Yarra, it's the dirtiest river in all the place. Could, couldn't I just go to one of the better rivers in another land? Could I not wash in one of them and be cleaned? How often do we want things done on our terms, eh? Oh, that's a bit dirty, God. He just wants us to be clean. But we get it all in a half. I wonder how this is going to work out. No, the end result, just want to be clean. So he turned and went away in a rage. In a way, he's walking away from his miracle. He's walking away. He's been given the instructions. He's been given everything. And he gets angry because the man of God didn't do it how he was supposed to do it. There was no waving of the hands. There was no fancy special prayer. It was the dirtiest river of all the rivers. And he walks away in a rage. And his servants come to him. It's, good, it's great to have good people around about you. Servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have not have done it? How much more when he says to you, wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Tim, come up here for a moment. In a moment here, is that Naaman is going to walk away from his miracle. He just has to dip in the Jordan seven times and the man of God's word is truth. Is that God's word will never ever return void. Dip seven times, you're going to make clean. He's like, I'm what? no, I'm walking away from his miracle. Great friends come around about him and say, no, 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 no. Re-engage. Re-engage. Whenever you and I are walking away from the miracle and from the promise of God, God's spoken word, I pray there's someone around about you that will grab you, shake you to your senses. Because have a look at this crude illustration. Tim, I want you to be your name in today. Can't touch you because you're a leper. But what I do want you to do, I want you to like to do seven squats into the water. 
and then back out. I don't care what you do in there. You can wash your hair. You can clean yourself up. They'll do whatever you want to do in there. Pastor Sam, could you pull out your Nokia phone? Has that got a stopwatch? All right, I want you to, no, no, I want you to start. So we're going, to be, we're going to be involved in this, all right? We're going to count to seven. We're going to start at one and count up to seven. Are we right? Here we go. One. Stop it, Sammy. You can thank, thanks, Tim. Let's give Tim a big hand. How long, Sam? Exactly. I want 12.57 seconds. Are you, are you serious? In one moment, Naaman was walking away from his miracle. Anger, God, you didn't move how I wanted to move. But in a matter of obedience, seven squats, 12.57 seconds. 12.57 seconds. Naaman may have taken quicker, may have slower, taken that really quick number five one, may have done it slower, I don't know. But in one moment, he's walking away from his miracle, and the next moment, how you and I actually respond to offense actually causes God's hand to move over our life. And this morning, I am not promising that God's going to come through in 12.57 seconds. But I probably all had times where God has come through in 12.57 seconds. It seems like it was like the midnight hour. That's the time you and I have finally given up. I don't have another plan. And God comes through suddenly. One moment he's walking away from his miracle. 12.57 seconds. I'm overcoming offense with every dip. Miracle. The wholeness of God. How you and I actually respond to offense will propel us into our future or take away our future. Let's go over a couple of minutes. Three really quick thoughts in addition to that one. Secondly, is for you and I, we must believe God's truth over man's opinion. If we just throw up that next slide. These are just some of the scriptures that God says about you and I, who we are our identity in Christ. And so often, all of these things that God says about us, and man comes and says one word or one action to us, puts a stamp over all of those things. All of it becomes null and void. All of God's opinions, all of God's truth, all of God's thoughts towards you and I, but simply one opinion of man can alter actually who we are in Christ is our identity changes. We're no longer like the image of God. We're now the image of what one person says we are. This morning, would you believe God's truth for your life rather than just man's opinion? I have no doubt across this auditorium this morning is that many have been offended. Maybe there has been relationship breakdown this morning. I'm not bringing guilt or condemnation to any life in this place because I know breakdown happens. I've seen it in my own family, my own mum and dad. And there's times where it's much better just to walk away from there. But the greatest thing about ones in this place have been offended, and you're my heroes today, is you've actually overcome the offense and you're still attached to God. You've overcome it and you're attached to God. You, You might be still working through it, you may still have pain from all of those things, but this morning I am so proud of you because you are in relationship with God. You, you are abiding 
in the vine. You, you were saying, I want to be a branch. I may have been hurt at times. I may have been let down at times. I may have offended somebody else. But I'm still abiding in Christ. It's not over. Many times it's a journey, but it's not over. I'm staying in relationship in the house of God. I'm staying in relationship with God. You're my heroes this morning for being in that position. Would you believe God's truth over man's opinion? Probably one of the most practical things I can tell you this morning is when you come into that place of someone's offended you, would you come into a place of rest rather than rehearsing? Let me explain. When your head hits the pillow tonight or last night, what were your thoughts? And I found after that person had done that to me and my family, is that so often I came to a place of rehearsing. If I, just could, could get, if I could just meet him, this is what I'm going to say. And I work out the whole theatrical production. I know when to enter in and enter out. I've got the lights. I've got the volume turned up at certain levels. I've got the statement ready to go. I've got my lines down pat. I've got everything. You know what Jesus says? Go to sleep. Just go to sleep. So I found I've practiced. I've rehearsed so many things that never, ever came about. I spent all my time practicing rehearsing when I could have gone to sleep. This morning... I've got some good news for people. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Give it to God. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Don't rehearse it. Don't come up with another line. Don't come up with another revenge story. I know it'd be a make a, a blockbuster movie. I know it'd be sensational in Broadway. I know it all, but tonight, go to sleep. Come to me. Come to me if you're weary, carrying a heavy load. I'll give you rest. This morning you may be carrying the biggest backpack. Not necessarily because of your words, because the words of somebody else, but I've been affected. Take the backpack off, go to sleep tonight. That's the best advice you're going to get today. And finally, just a few weeks ago I had a situation where I, I offended somebody. I while I was in New Zealand, I was a long way away, but if someone close to me offended somebody else on behalf of me. So it was a complex situation. It was really complex. And I was in New Zealand, I was making multiple telephone calls to the person who had been offended by the person who was close to me who had offended them, but via me offended them. And had a friend, another friend in the middle of it. It was just complex. It was just awful. Not being able to work it out face to face, I... I did everything I can to make amends, and my friend texted me these words, which is a great answer. He said, don't, just as I go to sleep, don't overthink today. Because <laughs> you know what I was thinking about? I was rehearsing all of this. The outcome when I get back to Australia, all of those things. You know what he's saying to me? Go to sleep, Mike. And finally, for you and I to overcome offense, would you and I put a default setting on our heart set to forgiveness? Now it's difficult. You know, with computers and electronics today, you can press a button and default all the settings back to original settings. In our own heart, when you and I are actually declared sons and daughters of God, is that God resets us into a renewed state, into a state of relationship with Him, in a state where you and I have been forgiven much. 
in a place where our hearts now have come alive to the things of God, is we're now in relationship and it restores all of our settings to what it should have been in the very first place. And when offense comes or when you and I offend somebody else, would our default setting be that place of forgiveness, that we press the forgiveness button? Later on in Matthew, disciples, the same similar story, disciples asked Jesus, well, how many times should I forgive somebody else? And in the illustration we read, it was seven times in a day. Jesus goes further and says, you should forgive 70 times seven. That's a big jump from seven to 490. So I want you to set a default in your heart. Forgive, 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 forgive. It's tough, I've been there, forgive. It sets you free. Sets them free. You, you may not even have the opportunity to say those words to somebody else. It's not about that today. It may have been a loved one that hurt you. Is no longer living. He's still imprisoned. Today, forgive. It seems so easy, but yet it's so difficult. But as I look and see what God has forgiven me of, And for me, just to forgive that person, it may be a heinous thing against you. But I've done some really wrong things and God's forgiven me. This morning, would you press default, reset in your heart today and say, I'm going to forgive. This morning, your response to offense will determine what your future looks like. Would you believe God's truth over man's opinion? Tonight, just go to sleep rather than rehearsing. And finally, would you please press forgiveness in your heart this morning with every head bowed, every eye closed. There's so many in this place, you've received the saving grace and the forgiveness of an almighty God. Today, we stand in awe of Him for setting us free. We're no longer chained. We're no longer in bondage. We're no longer slaves to sin, but we are free today. And maybe you're here this morning, you've walked into this auditorium for the very first time. Maybe you've never heard a message like this, but today I is that Jesus has found you. He is looking for you. Maybe you're in this place and you're actually sitting on the fence. You're in a neutral zone right now. You've taken a few steps backwards because maybe God hasn't done all that God has said He would do. Or maybe men, the closest to you, have brought a fence to you and it's like, how do I move forward? This morning, the only way to move forward is to forgive and to reconnect with Jesus Christ today and we all have a story and God knows your story we all have heartache and this morning God knows your heartache and right now he's saying hey would you connect with me I'm your Lord I'm your saviour and I'm your greatest friend I, I believe in you and I love you this morning so maybe you're in this place for the very first time you need to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here, you've taken some backward steps, but right now is the time to re-engage with your Savior. I'd just love you to slip up your hand. Just slip up your hand. Thank you so much for that hand. I appreciate that, man. Just slip up your hand. I'd love the opportunity to pray for you. It's today you're being unstuck. Thank you so much, sir, over there on my left-hand side. I appreciate that hand. You're being unstuck today. You're moving forward. You're advancing in the kingdom of God. And it all happens by connecting with an almighty God today. Thank you so much for that hand there. 
I appreciate that. Great, great decision this morning. As I look one last time, is there anyone else who would join these hands this morning? Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate that in the middle there. Thank you so much, sir, at the back there. Thank you so much. Heavenly Father, I thank you. All of heaven is rejoicing right now. And I don't know why hands went up this morning, Father, but you know the location of every life. You know their greatest need right now. And I pray, Father, by your Spirit, you'd come and you'd invade hearts and lives in this place. That you're going to declare right now over their lives that they are new creations. Old things have passed away and they are new this morning. There's a newness over mindsets and over hearts. Where hearts have got been, been hard, but Father, right now there's a softness coming in. Where forgiveness hasn't flowed, that forgiveness right now will flow in that mighty and that precious name of Jesus Christ. And Heavenly Father, I thank you through hearts opening up and them declaring this morning that they are born again. They are a child of the Most High God. You've declared as sons and daughters, friends this morning. Father, I pray over their lives today that they would walk in boldness. They would not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Father, as you have forgiven them this morning, they will also walk in the forgiveness day in, day out. We thank you in your wonderful name. Amen and amen. Let's put our hands together for those ones across our auditorium this morning. I never ever lose the wonder of hands going up and lives saying, I need you, Jesus. This morning, won't we all stand in this place? And this morning, as your hand went up, there were some of our host team would have been looking on, seeing your hand today. And they may come and approach you, but if they somehow missed your hand or today maybe your hand didn't go up and you just like to talk to someone about this, I'd love you to go to the yes desk located in the foyer and one of our great team would love to meet with you, resource you, because there's always more in the kingdom of God, eh? There's always more. Water baptism tonight, which is going to be out, absolutely outstanding. This week, church, we are going to offend people and we will be offended part of life. But how are we going to respond to that? move into the God future that God has for our lives. Great to be with you today. God bless. We're going to go out singing, rejoicing. Please stay for a cup of tea, a cup of coffee. God bless.